Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is on command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest honor! And welcome back to the yeah, great show on Earth that is Talking Terror. We're cutting that off. Enough As of always, that. I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G. You can see him. He's, he's fired up, ladies and gents, because we're going to be talking about the Exodus Believer a little later on uh, um, and a lot of things. But uh, we are joined not by the ghoul. Uh, he won't be joining us. I'm always the king of horror, Andy G. And, of course, we're joined by the demonic dean who is doing hosting duties tonight and, of course, the psychotic simian, the mad monkey, the prince by Morris Day. Yes, get fucking with him, monkey. Hey there, Fright fans and Gold Geats. Welcome to Talking Terror, the radio show that is every Hallhounds go-to podcast for horror news and movie reviews. Every Wednesday night, we are coming in your ears live from 9 to 11 p.m. But if you can't catch us live, don't you worry about it, baby, because we love our fans so much. Every single episode of Talking Terror is always available to you. Yes, you, my freaky little darlings for free on Spotify and iTunes. Just remember to share the love of your favorite horror show by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on Facebook and Instagram, baby. What is up, my friend family? Woo! Catch your breath. Is there any, I mean, we got a lot to talk about, so we want you to save your voice, you know, so save it up, yeah. relax. Uh, yes, that was, that was a great intro, of course, and like I said, yes, the cool was at home. He's doing a little bit of light recovery duty, so he'll be back, I'm sure, next week uh, when we talk a little bit more about my film pick, which I'll reveal later on in the show. Um, but before we get Whoa. into all the news and things we want to talk about, so um, as you guys know on the show, uh, as we've talked about Horror and Sons, uh, they're big fans of ours. We're big fans of Dustin over there. <clears throat> and he brought back his Halloween Horrors writer submissions this month. So on horrorandsons.com, you can check out all the contributors, including myself. Uh, I've returned this show to a piece about the WNUF Halloween special, which I think is quintessential each Halloween season. So, uh, of course, these uh, dates for all these submissions, of course, he, he releases them on October 1st. Who's going to be when? Uh, so the date of my article will appear on horrorandsons.com on October 30th, Halloween Eve just in time to celebrate Halloween. So Devil's Night, you can check out my article just in time for the Halloween season about Chris Martinez' WNUF Halloween special. I had a lot of fun writing the article. And if you guys haven't seen it out there, I know Monkey has, but WNUF Halloween special is Hell a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, it's not something that we could really cover on the show. It's just something you have to experience for yourself. You know, it doesn't lend itself to conversation, but uh, if you're a fan of nostalgia of the 80s and Halloween, uh, you'll have a great time. So, there, of course, is that, um, and I'm sure there's uh, other things going on, of course. Um, Marie has a, a Dutchland home opener on Saturday, so that's where I'll be uh, in the evening time, of course, uh, cheering her on as the fall season kicks off at home in the old Lancaster, of course. So, all right, um, so all that out of the way, of course, all the little business I had. Um, 
the dean last week spent the last hour, uh, first hour of the show last week on with us before he went to go see The Exorcist from 1973 on the big screen. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Dean. How was that experience seeing it in the big screen, you know, full front and center? Um, I mean, look, it was pretty fucking awesome to see The Exorcist on the big screen. Look, this, this is a movie that, uh, like many people that are fans of our genre, uh, is like the pinnacle. You know, some consider it to be the greatest horror movie ever made. Um, this was a release, of course, this being the 50th anniversary year that was, you know, in the theaters three years before, three years before the year of my birth. So, uh, you know, did not have the opportunity to see it in the theater upon its initial release. And then, uh, when they did the, the, the director's cut version that they did put back in the theaters quite some time ago with like the crab walking scene, um, I missed it that go around and, you know, I was stoked to see that Fathom Events was doing the 50th anniversary. And uh, as I have really taken to going to see these uh, films when they get back into the theater, uh, I, I had to go and see it. And, and I wasn't disappointed, you know, like it's just I've seen it so many times. And, you know, like I know all the beats and all the hits. And, you know, there's just something about the big screen and the big sound system where certain things hit like a little bit different, a little bit harder. And it was just it was just a great time, man. Uh, my the one the one complaint that I do have, and this is not anything to do with the movie, it has to do with the theater. Hmm. Was like the air was not working in that particular screening room, and it was just like really hot and stuffy. It oh. made for it to be a little bit uncomfortable, but um, you know, seeing it doesn't matter, man. Like seeing The Exorcist on the big screen was was it was an incredible treat uh, as a horror fan. Oh, yeah, I mean it's always the worst when you get a hot theater. I've talked about it on the show before. That could make or break an experience, especially seeing something like that. You want to have it at the perfect temperature, but you can't fucking complain. You're seeing the exorcist in the big screen. Uh, you know, I don't care how fucking how hot it is. I mean, it's hotter than hell. Well, that's the point. You know, <laughs> I don't know, but it's just the fun <laughs> of I'd be okay with it myself. Um, what I wasn't quite okay with, though, is that over the weekend I saw David Gordon Green's The Exorcist Believer. Um, I I saw it. I don't believe in it, and uh, it didn't do so great. So it'll be on digital on October 24th. Uh, the movie came out on the 6th, and it'll be out in digital on the 24th. So that goes to show you just how well it did. But I, I really I want to keep going with the Dean here because he just talked about the original Exorcist from 73. Uh, what did you think about The Weaver before I give my thoughts? Because they have plenty. <laughs> Man. <laughs> like, I don't even know where to start. Um, but let's start <laughs> by saying, like, this, 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 I mean, this is terrible. It was, it was really bad. Uh, there were, there were a couple of, like, beats in, like, the first part of the movie, maybe the first 20 or so minutes, 25 minutes or so, that, you know, I thought maybe were a little interesting, but uh, nothing was, was carried through. Um, Paper thin characters. Uh, things that made no sense, um, just generic, like, all right, this is one of the things I was thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. Same team, of course, from the recent Halloween trilogy, uh, you know, Halloween, uh, much more of what I think of as, as a franchise, given its history and sequels and remakes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, The Exorcist came out. It's considered the greatest horror of all time. 
there's been subpar mm-hmm. sequels and prequels, but I don't think that, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't this is that it's thought of as like a franchise in the same way that some of the other established franchises are thought of. And I feel like continuing the story is kind of unnecessary because it's kind of like a story that like truly is like an open and closed loop. Um, yeah. Like that's like that's what I mean when I say it kind of felt forced. Like I don't know. Like when it was announced, oh, they're going to do a trilogy. Like, sure, oh, you know, maybe that's cool. But like, it's unnecessary. And and not only did I feel like it was necessary, like it just felt so generic. And maybe that could be because since The Exorcist came out, and not even since The Exorcist came out, more so in like the last maybe. 15 years or so, there's been like 30-something movies having to do with exorcism uh, to varying degrees of success um, that kind of water down the, the, the whole concept of an exorcism. And in addition to that, like a religious, uh, a religious I don't, ceremony isn't the right word, a religious ritual uh, hmm. such as an exorcism like, I don't feel it's anything that maybe has the weight or fear or mystery surrounding it that it did 50 years ago. And 50 years ago, our society in general felt differently about religion as a whole and religion, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a greater power or um, something to fear. And I think that has brought some of the element of of what was scary about the initial exorcist because it was this kind of secret thing in the Catholic church, which had a much different viewpoint 50 years ago than it does today. And I do think that's one of the reasons why there was like a Christian pastor and a Catholic priest. And like the only thing missing in the fucking room was a rabbi. Um, so, uh, like, I don't know. I just feel like it was a mess. Yeah. It, uh, you know, because I don't want to give too much away for listeners and spoilers and all that, but yeah, it's just these, these characters uh, were paper thin, and they're often fucking forgot about in this movie. Whereas like, you're 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 upping the ante by having two girls that are possessed by a demon. Uh, they're not saying it's Pazuzu like it was with Rick and McNeil, but you have these two characters and they're possessed, and then you just kind of forget about them because it's like, oh wait, we have to talk about Victor and you know him being a dad. And then we have these parents on the other side who are like very much Christians and very much believers in God. And, you know, it's like, wait, what happened to the girls? Oh, there they are. Yep. They're in, they're in a hospital. I mean, they, there was so many things that they could have done where I felt like they were going in the right direction where it's just like, well, do we have, do we have them committed to a mental institution because they're insane? They're not possessed. Or do we, you know, bathe them in holy water and get the devil out? Like, you know, they're, there were things where I was kind of like, you know what, I kind of like where they're going. And then again, they just fucking just drop the ball. And they're like, yeah, well, forget about that. I mean, fucking the whole thing, like Dean, you just said, where they invite basically every religion except for, you know, Judaism into this fucking house. If they're the goddamn fucking Marvel Avengers, where they're going to put their fists together and be like, let's beat this thing. <laughs> like, uh, the fuck are you doing? The movie's called The Exorcist. But you fail to have an exorcist in your movie. Instead, you have uh, Molly, the next-door neighbor, who's a nurse, who kind of was in that at one point, kind of not, has some secrets, and then they're like, here, take this Bible and say some shit. 
And she's like, all right. And like, okay, well, that, that's not how this, that's not how any of this works. But, yeah, it's just, it, it just, it was ridiculous. And, you know, it's like, it's great that you have Ellen Burstyn in this movie, returning, legacy character, great. I was not opposed to it. But they treated her like they treated Sally in that fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that came out last year. That's about as much care as they put into this fucking character coming back. They're like, oh, remember her? Cool. All right. Well, she's only going to be around for a little while. So, you know, have fun. It's like, because she's 90 fucking years old. Like, it's like, gee, like she had trouble with her lines. So it's just like, you know, don't have that, you know. <laughs> just treat this character a little bit better. Instead, she's like, oh, I wasn't allowed into Regan's exorcism because of the fucking patriarchy. And I was like, whoa, okay. So we're, we're doing that now, are we? Not because they wanted Not to do it on their own. Nonsense. Right? Like, and let's, thank you. Let's not forget that, she, one, she was right outside the door. At the point of mm-hmm. that, she was reduced to calling what was behind the door a thing. And secondly, yes. let's not forget that Father Marin and Father Karras, one, gave up their fucking lives to save her fucking kid. <laughs> and two, perhaps Father Marin has been casted to hell either through the possession going into him and, or the possession going in, into him and him killing himself by throwing himself through the fucking window and suicide, uh, meaning that you go to hell. So both of them died, and one of them went to hell to save her fucking daughter. So when she said, oh, uh, because of their patriarchy, I was like, Are you, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And Marin and Karras were so uh, <laughs> fresh in my mind because I had, just seen, I had just seen the original Exorcist like four days in the theater four days before I saw Believer. So... Like, I was really, when right. she said that, I was like, you, like, are we just trying to, like, plug in some modern terminology that, or are we trying to create, what? Because it made no yeah, sense. I, I, and I, bringing her character back, bringing Chris, Chris McNeil back, it made sense because, um, you know, if, 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 if this is what's happening to your daughter and there are no answers and you're being led to believe that perhaps there's something uh, religiously supernatural here, you, maybe you're going to seek out someone that, uh, you know, in the realm of the movie has, has, has dealt with this kind of situation before. Uh, so that made sense. But, like, then the rest of it um, just felt shoehorned in, uh, like kind of forced. Um, you know, really, there was no reason for uh, the girls to have any connection to Chris or Regan I thought that when they were scratching when they scratched her name at the bedpost like it just didn't make any fucking sense to me you know like no yep there was a lot like like I said like a lot of things in the film it just felt forced and lazy it, it it just it felt like fan service and yeah how would they fucking know who I mean I know they're possessed at that point but how the fuck would this particular demon know who fucking Regan is it's not like Pazuzu is like, hey, demons, check out this fucking chick. I possess in 73. Her fucking priest is down here, too. Like, you know, not that. It's just that, and again, like you were talking about, like, you know, the whole patriarchy line. I would have accepted that line if she had said, but afterwards, when I had time to truly process what happened, I realized it wasn't patriarchy. It was these two priests giving their lives to save my daughter. They don't even say Karis's name in this movie or Marin Lancaster. They just fucking completely fucking just like, they're gone. They're out the door. Who fucking cares about them? You can always name drop. You can always say, you know, Karis and, and you know, Merrin. But, no, they, they don't. And then they have a priest in this movie who's just kind of like, hey, 
I'm uh, I'm here, and uh, you know, I'm going to do this, and say, like, okay, well, who the fuck? I don't even know his. I don't remember his name. He couldn't even remember his name halfway through the movie. I was like, it's just it's priest with the eyebrows. Like that's because he had these gigantic <laughs> fucking eyebrows that were distracting. That that's all I could remember was that his name was eyebrows, and like you know. It's like, okay, well, we're going to do this. And he's like, okay, well, I've got to go to the church and ask for their permission. And they're like, wow, this is some heavy shit, right? And he's like, yeah. And then he fucking comes back, and that's what we get. Is this this fucking guy going, like, you know, it's, it's just, it was so fucking ridiculous. And the fact that you, again, you know, fucking Ellen Burstyn at one point looking like fucking David Bowie on his last days in the Black Star video. And I was like, well, because she's nine <laughs> years old, and you want her to fucking confront the fucking demon. That literally knows every single fucking line from the Exorcist movie. You know, like every fucking line, like, mother, <laughs> or, you know, would you like to leave a message? It's like, okay, so they just watch yeah, the Exorcist and know all the fucking lines. Like, they're not saying anything original. And that's why The Exorcist, to me, and I know the Dean has said it too, is a fucking perfect movie. Because you have Regan going through this fucking ordeal until she's finally fucking possessed and she's completely fucking gone. And the demon takes over. But on the flip side, you have a priest who's fucking conflicted. He wants to leave, you know, his post. And he doesn't really know if he believes in God anymore. And he has to go in and try to decide if this person needs an exorcism. And then you have Father Marin who's battled this in the past. And he's like, fucking, come on, Karis. We have to battle the ultimate evil. And even though my heart's going to give out, I'm ready for it. There was so much heart and soul in that fucking movie. And in this one, it was completely gone. It was just like, hey, remember The Exorcist? Well, we're going to do it, but, uh, you know, you're probably not going to like it. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's, it, it just it felt like way too long. And by the end of it, there was nothing in that movie that told me that there's going to be two more. I don't know about you, Dean, but when that movie fucking ended, I'm like, okay, well, that's it. We're done. Like, the, the story's over. Like, there's nothing left when, to tell. Yeah. When that movie ended, I was like, let me get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> you know, I have some, when we, when we get to, when we, when we start talking about some of the goings-ons in the world of horror, I have some context to that. But, um, man, like, this, I feel, given the, the financial investment in acquiring the rights, uh, you know, the pretty, pretty big, pretty big disaster. <laughs> Fucking Christ. When I saw that number, I was like, wow, they had full faith in it. It's like nobody at Universal was like, hey, wait a second. Did any of you guys see any of the Halloween movies that he did? No. Well, I mean, it's a pretty big fucking IP. Let's just fucking go for it. Like, we, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. You know, it seems like he's having a great time making these Halloween movies. He can't possibly fuck up the Exorcist movies. No way. We have faith, but no. no. And it's like the fucking next one's called The Deceiver. I'm like, yeah, we were all deceived in seeing this first one. So now we're going to have to go see the second one and be like, oh, here I am again, like the fucking asshole that I am sitting in the theater, you know, going, oh, hopefully this one. But that's the thing. With Halloween, when that movie ended in 2018, you're like, you know what? You know it's a trilogy. The stakes are gone anyway, so you know that there's not going to be a final battle. So you know Michael's coming back. He's coming back for at least two more movies with Jamie Lee Curtis. And this one, it's like, okay, we're done. Like, this is, uh, all right. Like, we're going to, the credits are going to roll, and then we're going to be done. There's not going to be any more. But then they're like, no, two more. Well, then you're just going to make fucking random movies. So now it's going to be like Exorcist of the Week. Next week, they're going to be in fucking Miami. And it's going to be three girls that are possessed this time. 
<clears throat> and it's going to be like, holy shit, now there's three. What do we do? And now they're bringing fucking every religion in. But they're only going to tell you that Christianity and Catholicism are the only two that matter. Because the one religion that they do bring in, they're just like, ah, she's crazy. She spits on feet and fucking lights sit on fire. <laughs> Weirdo. Nope, you got to talk about God. You know, like, oh, the fucking way they treated her was fucking ridiculous. Where it's just like, you fucking silly little girl with your fucking necklaces and shit like that? No. We got the Bible and shit. And she's like, yeah, but that's, that's not cool. Like, you know, I, I have religion too. And they're like, yeah, you're quote unquote religion, right? Like, <laughs> this is, way to belittle somebody that's trying to help you. It was ridiculous. Like, nobody wanted to take her seriously. And I was like, come on, that's the one that I had the most faith in. I was like, no. She knows what she's doing. She's got the whole fucking vibe down. Like, she goes to cemeteries and sits with fucking ghosts. Whereas the other ones are just like, how much is in the collection plate? And that was the true thing that was missing from that movie. I don't know about you, Dean, but just that one, the one fucking preacher that was in the church, like, I wanted him to be the non-believer. I wanted him to be like, I only do it for the fucking money, man. Like, I do it for the cash. I do it for the, the pride. I don't do it because I believe in God. But it was such a wasted opportunity. They just never went there, and I thought that they should. You know, calling it believer, have him become a believer in God. But no, we're just, we're just going to be a believer in uh, half-priced exorcisms. Because there's two of them this time, <laughs> and uh, they're very loosely tied to chairs uh, in a circle on a floor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's their restraints. And you have to make a real Sophie's choice at some point. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I finally got it out. I mean, until we do a spoiler-filled one, yeah, when the the you know, when the ghoul's back, because it's on digital on the 24th, so I might make that my pick for the end of the year, just to fucking spoil everybody's good time. They can really fucking go into it. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dean, what are you going to expound upon with horror news tonight? What are we talking about? The first thing that I did want to talk about, of course, is related to our subject at hand. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, um, questions about mm. whether this would be the case. It seems that the sequels, believer, are still happening. Uh, so no. not taking in mind the three or $400 million investment to, to first movie, uh, you know, which had a budget of roughly $35 million. Uh, on the global box office, it has recouped that. It's the global box office, it's at 44.2. Uh, as for $400 million, not even close. Uh, has the opportunity to, to recoup some money when it hits Peacock, and also the fact that there's going to be a Exorcist-themed uh, haunted house at the Halloween Horror Nights. Um, mm-hmm. But they are still going to be, uh, you know, pursuing, did say, sequels uh, have to be reworked on their way into production, uh, that the performance of Believer has maybe created a demand for a creative rethinking, uh, too. Yeah, you think? Some word going around that possibly... Uh, he dropped, so hopefully he can call back in. I'll have to ah. message him. But, uh, we could keep going because it, it keeps rolling. Um, 
Yeah. No, they, they, uh, what he was about to say was that David Gordon Green, and I posted the article on the group chat, is that uh, he might be stepping away from uh, The Exorcist, uh, handing oh. off the reins to somebody else. Um, the, the funny thing is, is that he, he, uh, he's like, well, you know, I got things going on, and, like, I got all these other projects I want to do, and I'm kind of feeling, like, kind of burned out and hard. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not. You fucking liar. You know, you know, you made a fucking another bad movie. Like, just admit it. Just be like, you know what? This one didn't land. I'm going to try with the second one. Um, so, yeah, like I said, and he, just, he, he made a bad movie. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Monkey. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, also, though, it's like I don't understand, like, all the push lately about David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green. It's like because when you go and look up his stuff, it's like, you know, he only has like 23 directing credits and a shitload of producing credits. It's like I don't understand why people are pushing him now to be directors of projects. Yeah, I'm not quite sure myself because I know that like before he did the whole Halloween trilogy for Blumhouse, like he had done, you know, Pineapple Express, which I actually do like. I mean, I'm a fan of that comedy. Uh, but that's his wheelhouse. Like, his wheelhouse is, like, weird stoner-type comedies. Like, he works on uh, The Rich's Gemstones. Um, welcome back, Dean. But, yeah, I, so I don't know why he keeps getting this. So, yes, you're back. Uh, so what were you saying about uh, David Gordon Green and uh, the sequel's Exorcist? Yeah, you know, there's, there's uh, that we're flying around saying that perhaps David Green has what they're framing as franchise fatigue, uh, given his work on the three Halloween films, then rolling right into the Exorcist Believer, and with the, uh, you know, the the panning of Halloween Ends and the panning of uh, Exorcist Believer, that, you know, maybe he needs to take a kind of step back from this. That's, nothing has been announced, no moves have been made, but it might not be that shocking if he does not end up being the one to helm uh, the next two sequels. Mm, yeah, we were talking about that when you were kind of logging back in. But, yeah, uh, I'd be happy if he did back away completely, if he just took on a producer role. You know, let somebody else write the uh, sequel. Let somebody else direct it, because Danny McBride and David Gordon Green should not be around these movies. Like they, I saw his writing credit, too. I was like, oh, fucking Danny McBride, I love you in comedies, man, but please stop making these fucking scripts. Like, stick to the Righteous Gemstones and fucking, you know, the comedies that you do. You're not really good with horror, especially legacy horror movies. It's a little tough. But, you know, Deceiver comes out, and then the third one, you know. Yeah. It's going to be I – don't, I, don't, I don't even think they have a title for the third one yet. I think the second one's just Deceiver, and I think the third one, I don't know, the Exorcist ends. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, heard, any, <laughs> I haven't heard any title related to, to the third one, just that Deceiver uh, is the next, the next one's up, so – um, we'll see what happens. I would imagine that there's going to be a lot of news surrounding this because, like, this is a really massively poor performance thus far, um, and the word of mouth isn't going to do it any favors as far as having any legs at the box office. And, uh, you know, I know it's hitting. It's going to be hitting. Um, it's going to be hitting Peacock. Uh, yes. In just, in just like a week or so. So. Um, yeah. You know, maybe I'm sure people that have heard the word of mouth and didn't necessarily want to head out to the theater and spend the money. Uh, we'll probably check it out that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to wait, you know, I had heard, I had heard some, some real negative, 
real negative views on it. And, uh, you know, I, I had to just, I couldn't wait. I had the day off on Monday. I, I had to go, I had to go see for myself. So I, I had to go and see it. Well, <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, I did the same thing. Gold did the same thing. Like I wasn't going to wait until it came on digital. I wanted to see it. And I walked in there and I kind of just like, you know, sat there I was like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I'm not going to fucking make any judgments. This thing might play out well. And then slowly but surely, I felt myself just kind of lowering and lowering myself in my seat going, oh, God, oh, God, I'm having fucking Halloween flashbacks. <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> no. And then it fucking ended. And okay. We, uh, um, so. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah. So for both of, both of you, when you went to go see it, how packed were the theaters? Like, were people going to go see it or No. Yeah, but you did. When you I saw it, the when mm-hmm. I saw it, now remember, I saw this on a Monday, like a, a, like an eleven thirty in the morning showing. Um, as as the oh, movie started, okay. I was the only I was the only person there, and um, you know, a few minutes into the movie, like an older couple like showed up and sat down. Oh, right now yeah, I had um... <laughs> oh that would have been fucking horrible. No. Um, and it's funny because I, I bought my tickets on Saturday night and I wanted to go to the one o'clock showing on Sunday and they showed like a whole row of people like that had took up a whole row and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get the one behind them because I like to sit on the ends and shit like that. I got in the theater, the movie's starting and nobody showed up in that front row. Just nobody. I looked behind me. There was a mother with her 10 year old son and an old man. And that was it. And that kid fucking could not stop coughing. He just really needed the fucking cough drop throughout the majority of that movie, you know, and I was like, all right, well, I don't care that he's young. I mean, if he can handle it, cool, but shut the fuck up with the coughing, like, you know, and I kept audibly going, come the fuck on, because, like, I just wanted them to hear me so that he would shut the kid up, but no, I'm like, get him a soda or something, but no. I was like, you know what, it's distracting me from this movie, so I can't really hate too much, but, you know, I don't know, like... I can't say I'm innocent because I've seen movies before where I get you no know, coughing fit and I just fucking have to run in a theater until it's over and just hope that it doesn't come back. But, you know, but yeah, three people, two people, whatever. <laughs> it, was, it was sad. You know. But then again, it was on a Sunday and you know how the whole thing is. It's like, ooh, exorcist. That's, you know, nope, nope. I got to go to church on Sunday. But no, I went to go see the exorcist, you know, but so, but yeah, not that great. But anyway, Dean, what are we else are we talking about in Harness? Also in the realm of the exorcist, um, here's something that I had not even uh, heard of before. Uh, At least if I did, I certainly don't remember it. But apparently uh, back in 2016 on Fox, there was two seasons of an exorcist TV series that took place in the world of the first movie. Um, That's right. I... I I don't remember it, and uh, from what I was reading today, it also said it was really good, Uh, but what I'm here to talk about is that uh, the two seasons combined, which are usually available to purchase on Vudu uh, for a a bundle price of $59.80, are currently available to purchase on Vudu for a combined bundle price of $5. That's pretty nice. So if you you purchase purchase streaming content uh, for just 5 bucks, 
uh, you can have the two seasons of the Exorcist series from 2016. Yeah, well worth your time. Very cool. If you haven't seen it, it is fucking really good. I mean, the second season is is really good because they kind of get away from the whole McNeil family, but um, they really handle it well in season one, like the continuation of uh, Reagan McNeil and how she is as an adult after all those years. Uh, Gina Davis actually uh, plays her um, in the show. And then uh, Sharon Gless uh, played Chris McNeil. You might remember her from Cagney and Lacey and a bunch of other TV series, but um, it was really cool to, to see how they handled it. And you have these two tormented fucking exorcists. And how are they dealing with the fact that Pazuzu is back? And, yeah, so if you haven't seen it, high recommend. It was on Fox, only lasted two seasons. But, you know, that should have been the fucking movie. Instead, no, <laughs> we got David Gordon Green. All right, so, yes, moving on from, from that, um, what else are we talking about? So, also in the realm of David Gordon Green, because, right. <laughs> like it all, the relatable things out of the way, uh, back back in uh, back in 2021, uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride announced that they were uh, creating a what they were calling a family friendly uh, animated garbage pail kids series based on the the old favorite uh, trading card stickers. Uh, for for the Max streaming service, and not much has been heard about it since, but apparently uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are still developing this animated series, but they're saying that this is no longer a family-friendly animated series, that this is going to be a naughty anim- animated series. Uh, oh. There is uh, no word <laughs> that is still being crafted for, for, for Max, formerly HBO Max, formerly HBO Go, uh, or... <laughs> Uh, if this is going to land somewhere else and no word on any kind of timetable uh, or anything like that at this time. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, some of us are still recovering from that Rod Amatow fucking 1987 live action movie. So maybe animated is the way to go because that fucking movie is horrifying. And that wasn't even dirty or messy. That was just fucking weird. And it actually did happen. I used to think that was a fever dream I had, but no, that was a real fucking thing. There was a live-action Garbage Bell Kids movie. It's just... It, yeah. I, I still don't know why. <laughs> good, old, good old cocaine back in the 80s. Just make a fucking live-action you know, Garbage Bell Kids movie. So, I mean, you know, maybe animating is the way they should go. You know, uh, David, uh, Gordon Green, and Danny McBride. I mean, they've already tackled Halloween, and they've already seen The Exorcist, so let's just fucking take another IP. See how bad they can crush it. I don't know. Just go back to making original content, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what else are we talking about in David Gordon Green's universe? Oh, well, no, that was it. That was it. I just wanted to, to get those things out of the way so I wasn't like, oh, let's okay. talk about these three other things. And then let's circle back around to David Gordon Green. No, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go. So, uh, this Friday, Friday the 13th in October. Oh, uh, shit, yes. The original Friday the 13th movie location, filming location, the Blairstown Diner, is hosting a one-day event collaborating with Spirit Halloween uh, to celebrate uh, Friday the 13th and all things classic horror. 
on the spookiest day of the year, uh, there's going to be an array of games, activities, uh, you know, treats that will bring uh, to, to life all the frightening. There'll be giveaways. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a limited edition Spirit Halloween Blairstown Diner t-shirt to the first 500 visitors. Uh, there's going to be axe-throwing contests. There's going to be bloody cherry pie-eating contests. There's going to be hourly Friday the 13th trivia contests with prizes and exclusive themed menu items. Uh, this will be taking place again at the Blairstown Diner in Blairstown, New Jersey, this Friday the 13th from 12 to 8. Wow, very cool. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I remember seeing pictures of it online, and I thought it was like a parody. I thought somebody was making fun of it because they were trying to put up that diner for sale. And I was like, oh, they can't turn that into a spirit Halloween. But no, that's, that's fucking cool. And if I was out that way, I would definitely do it. But, you know, the Halloween fucking rules. Greatest season of all. <laughs> and all right, what's next? What's next is that uh, we're we're one day late, but uh, or yeah, one day late. But last night, last night on uh, AMC, AMC Plus, and Shutter, uh, there was a special edition of the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, where they hosted to celebrate the 45th anniversary 1978's Halloween, uh, and this will be on demand. Uh, on all of those locations uh, this Sunday, the 15th. So if you wanted to watch Halloween with Joe Bob Briggs hosting, you will have your opportunity, even though the live show was last night. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I saw it pretty heavily advertised. I just I go to bed early during the week if I'm not doing the show, so I missed it. I'd have to check it out. And I'm, I'm still not a fan of his, but, you know, anything to do with Michael Myers, I'm in. <laughs> even with David Gordon Green involved. <laughs> Never be too Can't help it. Game. <laughs> no, you know, they, they used to tell me that all the time. But, hey, listen, I met George Romero, and he was a fucking sweetheart. So sometimes you can meet your heroes, and sometimes it does work out. Not all the time, sometimes. <laughs> like, I feel like John Carpenter would probably be, like, a massive dick, or he could be really fucking kind. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's a roll of the dice. You might get him on a good day. You might get him yeah. on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, John Carpenter kind of strikes yeah. me as the kind of guy where it's like, you know, if you got a check in your hand, he's fucking awesome. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. I feel like if I had money in my hands and I'm like, hey, nice to see you, Mr. Carpenter, he'd be like, hey, come here. You know, just put the money in my hand. Like, you know, and I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, it's great to meet you. Like, you're, you're, I, like, I love your shit. <laughs> you know, and we, can, and we can talk and hang out. I don't know. I mean, you know, and then I feel bad circling back to the exorcist, but he did say like, oh, hey. I heard he's fucking doing The Exorcist now, David Gordon Green. How could you possibly mess that up? Yeah, I put that on the Talking Terror Facebook page. So. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I saw that on the Talking Terror page, you know, where they had the interview with Chuck Carpenter. Like, How could you fuck that up? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's because Green and company aren't giving him fucking checks anymore, so now he can just be fucking honest and shit. So, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm right, that's right. I'm not getting paid by them anymore. Fuck those guys. How do you fuck up the exercise? <laughs> True. Uh, but, yeah, but uh, and on the flip side, though, in the same interview, he's like, you know, because I like what he did with Halloween, you know, the second one, Halloween oh, sure I really enjoyed that one. The greatest fucking trilogy ever. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, wonderful. The music was amazing. Cha-ching. The script direction. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. My bank account kept getting fucking zeros behind the fucking numbers. It was great. Like, you know, thank you, David Gordon Green. I'll, I'll be back anytime. You know, Mustafa Akkad, you know, he's not with us. Malik Akkad, 
I heard you want to make a video game and possibly a TV series. Like, you know, so, yeah, that was the other thing. Dean, I don't know if you knew about that, but the Malachicod was talking about how they want to make a Halloween video game because that seems to be how people are going with Texas Chainsaw on Friday the 13th. So we could be seeing a Michael Myers-type video game coming out soon as well as a TV series. No, I, you know, they still I, I hadn't seen anything. I hadn't seen anything about the, a Halloween game. Um, the mm-hmm. shopping of, yeah, was, of for, for TV. I hadn't heard about a video game. Yeah, it was all done during uh, Halloween uh, H45, the, the recent uh, convention that took place in Pasadena uh, a week or so ago. They were asking him about, like, the future of Halloween. He's like, yes, of course, we'd love to shop it around, make a TV series, but I'm thinking video games, too. And it's like, well, you know, Michael Myers is already in a video game. He's in uh, Dead by Daylight. There's a whole map that you could play as Michael Myers or Rory Strode. So it's there, but he might not know about that, so shh, nobody tell him. But either way, um, all right, what's next? What are we talking about? Uh, the next thing up uh, is that uh, next year in 2024, there's going to be a documentary, uh, George Romero's Resident Evil, which is going to be all about the version of the film that George Romero was going to make that never came to pass. Uh, apparently, this documentary oh, is going to be different. That's uh, going to be different than the, the standard uh, usual talking head documentary that uh, the setting for some of the interviews takes place in an abandoned mansion that has been dressed to look like uh, the world of the Resident Evil game. And uh, with permission from the video game rights owner, apparently uh, they had permission to even uh, shoot uh, some scenes from the, the Romero script. You know, that has not been confirmed if that actually happened or not. But uh, next year sometime will be the George Romero Resident Evil uh, documentary. Yeah, really, really looking forward to that. I actually met those guys um, two years ago at the Creature Feature Weekend in Gettysburg. They had a whole table set up. Um, Brandon Salisbury was his name, who directed the uh, documentary. So he was playing the trailer and he was talking about it. Like I thought I was a George Romero fan. Like he is a fucking George Romero super fan. Like, he knew a shit about the Resident Evil uh, project that I had never even heard of. So he's done extensive research, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the completed project because the trailer was great. Um, and I hope one day they release a script that uh, George wrote for Resident Evil back in 98, uh, which could have been something interesting. Um, I know, I think it's available online if you look it up, you know, but, uh, you know, it's a pretty good treatment about uh, the mansion and everything like that takes place. But, Anything George Romero again, I'll fucking, you know, I'll bite for it. I don't care. Fucking slap Romero's name on there, I'm there. So, all right, what's <laughs> next? What are we talking about, Dean? Now that the, uh, now that the, the writer's strike uh, lasted from May 2nd to September 27th has come to an end, uh, they, Netflix says that the top priorities, uh, in relation to properties and scripts are uh, Stranger Things Season 5, which will be the final season of that show, and uh, Wednesday uh, Season 2. Um, they want, they say that these scripts must be, these scripts need to be ready to go uh, when the Screen Actors Guild strike comes to an end so they can get right into uh, production. Uh, as far as Stranger Things 5, there's 
very limited details about what to expect. But one thing that did come out is that uh, Predator Prey director uh, Dan Trachtenberg uh, will be directing one of the episodes of season five of Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Like I, I honestly forgot about Stranger Things and them having another season until I, I saw an article that you just <laughs> were talking about. Name, but I was like, they're really going to have to fucking figure out a way to write this because they're they're obviously much older now. Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the material because they're, uh, they're I mean, if you ask me, they're going to have to do a fucking time jump, but like times fucking ten. Yeah. Um, where it's just like you know. It's the fucking mid-90s, so they're all going to be wearing fucking torn jeans and fucking flannel and listening to Soundgarden and Nirvana. That's the only way you can do it. Like, you can't do the 80s anymore. Like, it's it's over. But we'll see what they do. I mean, I just it's going to be weird if it's still the 80s and they're looking like they're in their 20s. I don't know what you guys think, but that's just my two cents. I'm agreeing with you is that they're going to have to time jump, but it's like, you know, yeah, they're 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 – they're really, or you're gonna have to sit there and just push it to the point where they're actually adults now. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Dean? I'm sorry, say that one more time. The uh, the whole thing about having these Stranger Things five, like these these kids, they're not kids anymore. They're obviously like almost in their twenties, and, and and some of them. So you're gonna have to really fucking figure out to make a smart script to make it work with their ages. You can't do the ages anymore. Like they they previously did, like there's gonna need to be a time jump. Like if you were to go back and watch like the last bits of the fourth season, you will clearly see uh, camera framing uh, that was positioned in some, such a way to make some of the characters appear physically smaller than they actually were. Um, you know, the, the the first season came out, I think, seven seven years ago. So we're talking about kids that were like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. They're now 19 and 20. Um, you know, you can't be saying, oh, there are these wide-eyed kids from Hawkins anymore. So it'll be curious to see how they get out. But the, all, of the, all of the strikes, uh, you know, hasn't done them any favors in trying to get this thing together. And that's also why they've announced that this is going to be the final season because you, you can't just keep going on with these performers. And yeah, there's been rumors and talks of potential spinoffs and everything, but I also do feel that, uh, you know, not every actor on the show, but so many of the actors have gone on. That it's been such a break that I'm sure they're ready to film this thing and move on with their lives. Also. Yeah. I mean, I would have to imagine they all are at some point, like it, I think, like, the whole Stranger Things, like, uh, fandom is kind of done. You know, I think it ran its course. I think it was hot for a second, and now it's kind of, it's, it's over, you know? And I think a lot of it had to do with the writer's strike. I think a lot of it had to do with them trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, for the final season. But I think it, it's kind of, it's kind of over, which is where I give kind of credit to The and, Walking Dead in that sense, because they're still fucking rolling. They're like, Daryl Dixon spinoff, Rick spinoff, this spin, like, you know, they are not fucking <laughs> stopping. That train is fucking going for years. Like, they don't give a shit. But, yeah, go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, but also, you know, unfortunately, Stranger Things also got screwed with the whole thing of you're trying to make a show based around kids, but then you add the whole COVID lockup thing, too. So, therefore, yeah. the kids yeah. are getting older while that's going on as well. You know, so, unfortunately, time has not been kind to the series of them just trying to finish it. 
No, I mean, it's been rough. And you're right, you know, I mean, you have to take into consideration that, like, the whole world is in a lockdown, you know, during a, a really kind of great period where they could have been filming and they couldn't. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of things have been unkind to Stranger Things. Uh, I felt like it had its moment in the sun. But, you know, it, it's kind of over. I mean, do spinoffs at that point if you want to keep it going. Do do other characters. Do other worlds. Do, you know, explore how far the, the, uh, the upside down goes, you know. Let's talk about other states. Let's talk about other countries. I mean, they did Russia, you know, in the last season, so it's possible. But, you know, you, know, you don't have to stick to that core group of people. Um, but we'll see. You know, we're going to have a final season at some point. Like uh, the Dean and I always joke around, it's going to be 2032 by the time we get uh, fucking season five of Stranger Things. We're going to be, a, you know, in the old folks' <laughs> home. And it's going to be, here we go, Stranger Things 5. And it's like, oh, remember that show from 35 years ago? They're finally doing the fifth season. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> All right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, so, the very popular Audible book, uh, Audible, the very popular audio book company, Audible, uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow, October 12th, uh, is going to be releasing something that they're calling an audio drama. Uh, it's being called Slayers, a Buffyverse story, uh, which is a continuation of the Buffy the Vampire TV series that will pick up 10 years after the events of the show. Uh, this will feature uh, performing voices of their characters, several uh, actors from the original TV series, including a Charisma Carpenter, uh, Julia Landau, and Leia Deon Hayes. Uh, they'll be returning to voice their characters. So if you were a fan of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series, uh, here's an opportunity for you to, to pick up the story in audio drama form. Hmm. There you have it. Um, yeah, I, I was a fan back in the day when that, fir- that show first came out. I, I kind of dropped off after high school, though. After they left Sunnydale, I was kind of out. And it was just because, like, the college years weren't that great, so... Once uh, they all graduated, it was time for me to move on as well. Kind of felt that way about Dawson's Creek, too. <laughs> they all kind of graduated from high school, and I was like, oh, it's not that fun anymore. They're all fucking, now they're like in their 30s, and they're all talking about going to New York and shit. Like, it was kind of boring. <laughs> but, you know, then Buffy went off the rails, I heard, towards the end. I don't know. I didn't see any of the, the final season, but I heard it just got fucking I can't crazy. See, <laughs> I can't say shit. The diva has the entire series on DVD. <laughs> she, she has the big have you watched it? Is the question. You know, it's different if you're like, she, yeah, I watch it every fucking Saturday. Like that's my go-to show is Buffy every Saturday. Like then I can be, oh okay. <laughs> but if she owns it, that doesn't mean anything. She just owns it. <laughs> like I own a copy of Halloween Ends. How many times have I watched it? Once since I bought it like a year ago. I, I own it. <laughs> you know? Doesn't make me any less of a person. <laughs> I still have to wake up and look at myself in the mirror every morning and say that I own a copy of Halloween Ends, that's because I'm a completionist. You just you can't stop a completionist. <laughs> we just have to collect them all, even the bad ones. Like, I have Resurrection. Do I watch it? Absolutely not. But I do own it in case somebody comes over <laughs> one day and says, hey, I want to watch Halloween Resurrection. First of all, I'm going to say, why? And then second of all, I'm going to say, well, I have it. I'm just going to leave the room while you do it. <laughs> That's how it works with my video collection. You can watch whatever you want. Doesn't mean I'm going to be with you when you watch it. I'll be in the other room watching something better. Why do I own it? Because I do. <laughs> That's my explanation. 
But I don't own the Rob Zombie one, so yeah. So I'm proud of that. I could proudly say I don't own the Rob Zombie. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah, I'm gladly you can say that. But all right, Dean. Moving on. What else are we talking about? Uh, I will tell you what else we're talking about. Uh, King of Horror, and that is that uh, Dream Project. Even though there's been, uh, you know, so much um, talk about him leaving film and, and, and doing animation full-time, uh, his dream project has always been to uh, direct a his vision of Frankenstein, and that is coming true as he is going to start shooting this film in February of next year. And it's already known that uh, Oscar Isaac, Andrew Garfield and Mia Goth were going to be participating. Uh, but it was just announced that uh, excellent actor Christoph Waltz uh, has also joined the cast. Uh, once again, uh, this Frankenstein uh, project is what Guillermo del Toro has called one of his dream projects. Yeah. I feel like he's the perfect guy to do it. I don't know about you, Monkey, but I feel like that's it. <laughs> it's Guillermo del Toro. Why haven't you done a Frankenstein movie is a better question. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, man. It's like oh, del Toro behind a project like that. Oh, yeah, I think that's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful movie after it's done. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you, I you need to get on it and, it. May, and make something like yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I feel, again, like, I feel like he is the perfect person to do it. I mean, he already remade Creature from the Black Lagoon, essentially, with The Shape of Water, and, you know, that's a good movie. I don't know if you guys ever watched it, but it's actually decent. And uh, so, yeah, I'd love to see what he does with Frankenstein and the monster, and uh, he's, uh, you know he's going to have fucking crazy effects for the monster. Right? No doubt. Yep. No doubt my mind going <laughs> to fucking look amazing, you know, but I don't know. We'll have to see, but all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? What else are we talking about? For you readers out there and fans of all and King Kong, uh, we know uh, that um, there's going to be more uh, Godzilla and King Kong uh, films. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the story that I'm here to tell you about is that uh, Godzilla X Kong uh, the Hunted uh, is a graphic novel that is going to be serving as a prequel for the next MonsterVerse film, uh, which is coming April 12th, 2024. Uh, Legendary Films and Rocket Ship Publishing have teamed up uh, with their Kickstarter campaign where copies of this, uh, this, this graphic novel can be ordered. Uh, they're also close to reaching their $79,000 launch goal. So if you're looking forward to the next MonsterVerse film next year, uh, this graphic novel will serve as a prequel to that film. Hmm. Anything, Mike, you going to be picking that up for yourself? Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> I don't even want to watch the next movie, man. You know I don't like Kong. <laughs> That's why it's so yeah, funny but, when you and I get together and actually watch this shit because then we argue because you're about Kong and I'm about the big G. And I'm just like, no, no, no. <laughs> because, I mean, I, you love Godzilla. I mean, he was a result of Oppenheimer, which is fun. 
But, you know, King Kong, he's just fucking worshipped and just tossed fucking pussy all the time. I mean, he can't have any of it, but they fucking just toss him at him, and they're like, oh, yeah, we worship him, he's a god. I'm like, yeah, fuck that, dude. King Kong fucking rules. He just has to lay around all day and get worshipped. King Kong, I mean, you know, Godzilla, rather, he fucking comes out of the ocean, he's like, I fucking hate my life. Goddamn nuclear fucking energy <laughs> shit, I'm going to destroy cities. <laughs> Kong is fine on his fucking island, just fucking laying around all fucking naked and shit like that, just enjoying himself. That's the fucking, you know, kaiju you want to be. Not fucking constantly tortured by fucking weird space aliens and moths and fucking three-headed dragons and shit like that. Kong's like, you have fun with that, man. I am not a part of that. I'm going to be over here eating oh, bullshit, pineapples on Skull Island. Because, because all, uh, bullshit, because all over Skull Island, you still have shit all over there, man. Because you have the, di- the big-ass dinosaurs and the other gi- giant things that are on Skull Island as well. It's not like he's like living in fucking paradise where there, there are no other kaiju on his island. He's just the, the big boy on his island. Now, if you wanted to get me interested, instead of trying to put him against Big G, you know, the k- king of the kaiju... And not that fu- motherfucker. Like, do a movie showing the time where he was king of the island and being worshipped and all that kind of stuff. Because anytime you watch the the old King Kong movies, well, the older ones anyway, it's like you know we have all the stuff about the giant gates and the sacrifices to Kong, you know, with the villagers and all that kind of shit. It's like, how about you actually show just that? You know, before the white people came and fucked everything up and tried to take Kong away, it's like, give us a story there of his life there before white people showed up and messed it up. They never give us that story. Well, they're not going to because that would be so fucking boring. Like, that would be just watching fucking Kong hang out and fucking be worshipped all day long and be like, okay, great. Like, that's a great fucking cold open to a movie. Like, let's do that. Let's do, like, 20 minutes of seeing him being worshipped and shit like that. And then let's get into the actual movie. An entire movie of just him fucking laying around fucking being worshipped. And the only reason he kills those fucking kaijus on his island is when they fuck with his shit. It's like, you coming after my women, bitch? Fucking no. Then he's got to slap him down, and he's got to show him a lesson. You know? He's not popping out of the ocean because he fucking feels weird and has to go destroy a fucking weird monster. No. He only fucks with shit when he fucks with him. (laughs) If you're taking his fruit or his woman, he's going to have a problem, you know? So that, that's the whole thing. <laughs> Leave the guy alone. He just wants to fucking lay around and fucking eat shit, you know? He doesn't want to fucking be bothered by all these fucking things. Like, even in, even in King Kong, the one that uh, Peter Jackson did, he didn't fucking want to go around killing dinosaurs. He did it because they were fucking with Naomi Watts, and he's like, check out the tits on her. Nope, you don't get her dinosaurs. I do. And he fucking ripped them apart because they were fucking with his fucking woman. You know? Yeah, like, that's what I'm talking about. complete sense. Is you yeah. can sit there and have the, have the story. Yeah, okay. What a, okay, sure. <laughs> he, exactly. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't care. If he wasn't like you're messing with my woman, he wouldn't have been like, all right, go ahead, have fun. You know, even in Kong School Island, when he fucking ate the gigantic octopus out of the water, he was just hungry. He wasn't like, I need to destroy this fucking creature because it's doing damage. He was like, no, I'm fucking hungry. I'm going to eat it. Like a boss motherfucker that he is. <laughs> but King Kong's always going to be better than Godzilla. Sorry. Make as many as you want. Not going to happen. You don't okay. see any fucking mecha King Kongs hanging out? You see any robotic fucking King Kongs? No. No. <laughs> That's uh, Godzilla land. Oh. So you, you mean so you haven't... So you, 
So you mean you haven't actually seen the Mecha Kong movie? Oh, because there is one. <laughs> See, now I just I don't know anymore. That that's horrible. Uh-huh. Now I'm just now I'm upset. That's okay. Yeah, you don't see any. You don't see any robot King Kong. Okay, motherfucker. Because yeah, they got that yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, who the fuck did that? Toho. Did Toho make it? Yeah, of course they did. Because they're like, Probably. oh, we have to fucking find some way to fucking make King Kong look stupid. So let's make a fucking robot King Kong movie. It's like, ha gotcha. Come on, Toho. Be nice. He didn't do anything to you. <laughs> but yeah, do you, do you because Mecha Kong, about? yeah. Yep. Stop and yeah, part of TV fine. show, yeah, and, just, then, and then was part of the 1967 movie King Kong Escapes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Toho. Thank you. I'll blame you for all that, so that's fine. Um, anyway, moving away from that, uh, Dean, what else are we talking about with our news? Are we getting to the movie tonight? Uh, so, uh, Society of the Snow uh, mm-hmm. was a novel from an author named Pablo Vierce in 2008. Um, it's now being turned into a Netflix movie that's coming out on January 4th with the same title uh, Society of the Snow directed by J.A. Bayona who also uh, directed uh, the horror film that I'm a fan of called The Orphanage uh, oh that's great uh, this book and and then the film it's based on are about the 1970 plane crash in the Andes Mountains mm-hmm. yeah of the original Piers Paul novel Alive, as well as the Frank Marshall film from 1993 Alive. Um, so there is now a new adaptation of, of this particular story in which uh, the rugby team, in order to survive, turned to desperate measures uh, to stay alive while stranded on the snow-covered Andes Mountains. Um, in other words, they ate their, uh, their, their dead passengers. Um, so anyway... Uh, just interesting that, uh, you know, another version, this is going to be a Spanish language film, uh, but another version of Alive uh, is is on the way. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm I'm a fan of uh, Bayona. You know, The Orphanage is a fucking great movie. Um, You know, great uh, Spanish uh, ghost movie. Because we're going to talk about ghosts a little later, but uh, yeah, that's one I, I, yeah, I think it says it came out in uh, September last month, so it is available now. Society of the Snow. I'm not bad. That's my list. So, all right, very cool. All right. So, what else are we talking about, Dean? I know that some of you out there on on that work on the show are big, big, big fans of Clown and Terrifier World, and uh, oh, yeah, that. Sure. Uh, the Terrifier, oh, yeah. Terrifier 2 <laughs> uh, is getting a theatrical re-release on November 1st, uh, but I have also learned that when you go to see Terrifier 2 uh, upon its re-release, you will be treated to the first exclusive teaser trailer for Terrifier 3, and uh, the first 100 fans at each theater will also get an exclusive Terrifier 3 poster. Uh, and tickets are uh, already available for purchase. Hmm. All right. Yep. Not a fan, but you know what? I give him credit. Damien and the Oni. It's a fucking original movie. So, good for him. But, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? 
see, King. What else are we talking about? Uh, oh, I already talked about that, um, and I already talked about that. I think that. Oh wait, 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 wait! Hold the phone. Uh oh. Hold uh-oh. the phone. Here we go. Hold uh, the phone. Shoe Palace. Apparel <laughs> Company. Shoe Palace. Uh, on hmm. the heels of last week's release of their Chucky Apparel collection. Uh, have launched their Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th clothing collections, which will feature uh, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, joggers, beanies, and more uh, that are featuring artwork and themes straight from the films. Uh, So so if you like to strut your stuff in a horror-themed wardrobe, uh, Shoe Palace is the place to go right now uh, for some exclusive Friday the 13th and uh, Child's Play clothing apparel collections. I'd love to, but they definitely don't have my size. They don't make uh, horror movie fan sizes. Just make it for the, you know, the skinny elite, you know. Gotta love it. I mean, I know I'm, you know, I'm not as big <laughs> as I used to be, but man, I cannot fit into some of that apparel. Definitely no, not those you gotta shoes. be skinny emo kids. <laughs> I know. Yeah, believe me. Like I said, I've, I've looked for some of those horror shoes that I found, and yeah, I'm a 14 wide. I can't fit in the fucking size eights. You know, they're not going to look good. So, <laughs> especially the fucking t-shirts that are are like extra small, pre-shrunk. And it's like Jesus Christ. Like this is like a fucking hand towel. This isn't a fucking t-shirt. That's why I, I shop at Flight Rags. Where, where is the rest of the t-shirt? <laughs> it seems like there should be more, or at least sleeves. I don't know. Call me old-fashioned, but I think T-shirts should have sleeves and a bottom half. There's something missing here. That's why I only shop at Fright Rags and Cavity Colors and Terror Threads, because they get me. They're like, hey, fella, you know that you're a little bit of a plus-size one. Gutter garbs, yeah. Hey, they get it. They get it. You know, they're like, you know, for our rotund gentlemen, you know, we have bigger sizes because we know you guys, you know, are a little bit bigger. You know, you're not quite as small, but we offer small sizes, too. So they're equal opportunity. They don't care if you're Jumbo Jack or Skinny Sam. You know, they, they fucking got your back. You know, so that's why I love supporting those companies. And I'll be buying more on Friday from Fright Rags because it's Friday 13th, and they have Friday 13th collections available, including victim pins and T-shirts. I'm not trying to plug the fucking website at all. I'm just excited about the Friday 13th collection. Coming out on Friday because they have fucking victim pins, and I was showing the monkey how they have a pin for demon from part five. And I'm like, that's fucking genius. Damn it, Damn it, And yeah, the, the Friday five shirt. Oh, it's going to be great. But all right. So was that your last item for tonight, Dean? Yes. Yes, it was, King of Horror. Okay, Demonic Dean. Well, tonight is your film pick of the week of Don't Listen, a.k.a. Voices from 2020, directed by Angel Gomez Hernandez. Uh, so why don't you give us a synopsis and what you thought about the movie? Uh, yes, Spanish film uh, Don't Listen, or Voices, translated to Voices, directed by uh, Angel Gomez Hernandez, was released on July 24, 2020, so... Uh, like I said uh, last time, he's sticking to the modern realm for this go-round. But in uh, this film, there seems to be uh, some eerie goings-ons uh, surrounding uh, the, the eight-year-old son, Eric, uh, the son of Daniel and Sarah, uh, who uh, talks to his shrink about hearing voices and 
obviously having visions of how people will de- meet their demise as they are, uh, you know, just living in their new home. So, um, you know, there's some untimely deaths. Uh, father, uh, not father as in religious, but uh, daddy, uh, father, uh, Daniel, um, you know, is trying to figure out what is going on, what happened to his son, and what is going on with his family to, to, to learn the results that maybe was not the one that he was looking for. Uh, and that is the, the brief synopsis of Don't Listen. Right. What do you think about the movie? So what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, this is this is okay. Like kind of modern, like haunted ha- haunted housey kind of kind of horror film. I'm, I like the the haunted house kind of stuff. I actually just recently mentioned the orphanage. Um, yes. You yeah. know, so like the haunted house slice of slice of the genre is one that I'm sometimes. A fan of, and, and I like this one. You know, it, it did not. You know, this is nothing that like reset the bar uh, for haunted house style horror. But like, I thought there was some effective, uh, some effective atmosphere and and some some spooky imagery and uh, a decent enough storyline to to keep me engaged. All right. So, monkey, what do you think about? Don't listen. <clears throat> okay. Uh... I watched this in Spanish with subtitles and as opposed, as opposed to the English dub and just wanted to say I was very proud of myself, uh, King, just because I actually understood about a third of what was going on in the movie. I was like, holy hey, shit, the, the, Spanish, the Spanish lessons are kind of working. This is really fucking awesome. Hey. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> Muy so bueno. kind of cool. I'm a... Uh, <laughs> so I'm a third of the way of being able to finally watch Santo shit without any translation. But, um, yeah, this movie, uh, yes, you know, kind of stereotypical uh, haunted house shit, you know, that we usually get around here on the show. Um, and, yeah, it threw me off here because, eventually, you know, this thing's about some people buy a house, the house is getting worked on. Weird shit's going on in the house. Let's call some people in. You know, oh, shit. You know, there's some crappy shit in the basement that's tied to the Spanish Inquisition. And we got to sit there and clear this shit out. I don't know. This sounds really familiar to another movie, King. <laughs> Except it was weird to find out that this one came out first and... The other Exorcist kind of movie came out later, and I was just like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did it possibly rip off Don't Listen? I don't know now. Because <laughs> the ending was, you know, really similar here. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the whole, you know, EVP, you know, tw- twist on the you know, classic haunted house stuff, you know, so I, I enjoyed that. And, you know, I just wish they had gone a little bit more and, you know, because what I read for reviews and stuff like that, they were like, you know, the jump scares are, you know, great, this and that, and I was like, if you say so. <laughs> I really wish they had not turned away 
turn their head from scenes where they could have given us some cool shit, you know, so, some nasty, gory shit. You know, we're, again, that's where I like to go is get, give me some really nice effects, you know, to, to really, really pull me into it. So, you know, it, it was an okay haunted house kind of movie, you know. Like the Dean said, you know, that doesn't really raise the bar, but still enjoyable. King, what about you, brother? Yeah. And I think um, to what you were saying, Monkey, uh, as far as, like, jump scares, like, you got to remember, just like the, the ghoul always says, you and myself and the Dean and the ghoul, we're all fucking jaded old assholes. Like, it's not going to be <laughs> you fucking, know when they're coming. you know, easy. You just do. And mm-hmm. if you've seen enough horror movies like we have, you know when they're coming. You know when it's going to happen. The only way they could do jump scares is they fucking raise the volume all the way up, and then you have no choice. Your body just naturally reacts to sound. But jump scares as a whole, we're so used to them that they just don't bother us anymore. So, say, like, you know, a normal person, unlike us, could watch this movie and be like, oh, fuck. Like, that jump scare was so good. We see it, and we're like, well, we saw it. Like, how did you not see that coming? It's because we've seen so many of these. But um, <laughs> with Don't Listen, like, again, we, we, all three of us have said it. It's nothing new. It's not original. Like, this, this type of stuff has been done before. Um, the only gripe I really had with the movie overall was that I kind <clears> of <throat> wanted the characters to just kind of be more interesting, uh, like Sarah and Daniel and Eric. Like, I kind of wanted more. They just were very just kind of surface-level characters, whereas uh, Garmin Domingo and his daughter Ruth, they were fantastic. Like, they came into this movie, and they kind of breathed new life into it when they came into this house because, you know, Garmin, you know, has a backstory with his wife and Ruth, you know, just trying to figure out her own life while also trying to help out her dad. And, you know, he doesn't come off as an Ed or Lorraine Warren type where he's just trying to fucking cash all that money, you know, and, and kind of profit off of people's pain and heartbreak over the death of people in their family. But he's honestly like, listen, like, I don't make this stuff up. He's like, if I did, my whole life would be a fucking, you know, poor excuse. Like, I believe in EVPs when they're real, and if they're not, they're not. So I was like, you know what? I kind of like that. I kind of like this character, and I liked his daughter. You know, not just because she was easy on the eyes, but because, you know, she was a good character. It's just the family just kind of felt very just one note and kind of forgettable, you know, until you have to remember it's about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, like, not not exactly, like, the best acting, you know, like, of, like, them actually emoting, you know, on screen. Yes, yeah. It was, no, I agree. And uh, I watched this one in Spanish as well with English subtitles. So it wasn't like it was a bad dub. It, it Obviously, it wasn't. It was, it was subtitles. But at the same time, like you said, the acting wasn't the best. But it wasn't like the worst movie I've ever seen. It really wasn't. I actually enjoyed parts of it. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, so the movie opens with Danny Belasco, uh, quick reference to The Legend of Hell House. Richard Matheson. Ah, you got that. Belasco house. So, yes, I did. I caught that right away. So, uh, he's using a skimmer and a pool to remove a red ball. Um, also, Red Ball from The Changeling, Jersey Scott horror movie about a ghost. We've covered it on the show. Uh, a red ball was featured prominently in one of the scenes after he drops it and a ghost brings it back. But, you know, so already I'm like, okay, so we're good. So, um, we then cut to a young woman named Dr. Carol who's talking to a young boy named Eric. His parents have called her there because moving can be tough, and he's also having trouble sleeping because the voices keep waking him up. They tell him to draw things sometimes. He says they are talking to him right now, but he can't tell what they're saying. So 
we cut to outside of the house, and Eric's parents, Sarah and Danny, are talking to her. And she tells him that he's hearing voices because, you know, he's a lonely kid. Like, he doesn't have any friends, and he can't sleep because the parents are house flippers. You know, they, they move into a house, they renovate it, they flip it, and boom, they're moving to the next house. So he has no sense of uh, stability um, in school with friends and social life, so it's tough for him. And back in the house, we see Eric watching the woman leave as his walkie-talkie turns on and voices can be heard as Eric listens. So we cut to Dr. Carroll driving home when her radio begins to go staticky just as a fly enters her ear, which causes her to become slightly distracted. <laughs> Suddenly an unseen force is controlling her car and speeds her right into a tree, sending a branch right through her face. And then we see Eric has drawn a yeah. picture of a bloody tree branch and hanging on his bedroom wall. Neat. That shot of the face was awesome. Yeah. And, like, and that's yeah, yeah. like, you know, within the first 10 minutes, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be good, you know, but, yeah, yeah it was like, uh, I was like, oh, man, you know, because yeah. as far as effects, we pretty much only have one other in the rest of the movie, you know, that even comes close like, to this thing, that was just fucking beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we'll get to it, but um, if it's the same one I'm thinking of, and if it is, I'm pretty sure we can talk about it, but um, so sometime later... Uh, Eric and Danny get to work doing some chores around the house, but then it's bath time and Eric needs to go. And in the uncomfortably carpeted bathroom, I don't know, it just kind of creeped me out, the fact that it was, like, fully carpeted. And I was like, that's one room that you don't want a lot of carpet. Seventies, <laughs> man. Seventies. Houses that have carpet <laughs> in the bathroom. Um, like, what a horrible, horrible thing. It, it it was insane, and it's it's two, it's 2020. It's not the 70s anymore. So there's no reason for shag carpeting in bathrooms. But um, you don't anyway, know how old the um, house is. It, that Look carpet it, was remember? not 70s carpet. That was regular carpet. That was not, that was like recent. Like that was like just laid down. That's how fresh that red carpet looked. But anyway, um, Eric is um, bathing, and then he hears voices coming from a baby monitor hanging from a shower head. Uh, Sarah walks in to help him finish bathing, and she notices scratches on his arm, which she believes are from the cats. So she's like, eh, these damn cats. But Eric wants to know suddenly why his dad hates him. Sarah wants to know why he would ask such a question, and he says that he heard his dad say through the walkie-talkie. So we cut to that night. Danny's watching a program where a man, German Domingo, is being interviewed about EVP. And that's when Sarah's like, hey... Uh, did you scold Eric at all today or, like, talk to him? And he's oh, like, hell no, I don't talk to that yeah, kid. Yeah, go ahead. So he denies uh, <laughs> saying anything kind of bad to the kid, and he's like, ah, forget about it. So Danny reassures that nothing's wrong with Eric, and then he'll be fine once he makes some friends at school. And that's when we cut to much later that night. Danny's awakened by the sound of the pool gate closing and opening. Eric also awakens up to the sounds of the walkie-talkie. Danny closes the gate, and when he goes back inside, he hears Eric on the walkie-talkie saying he needs to go to sleep. In Eric's room, one of Eric's toys starts going off by itself, moving around. Eric turns it off, and that's when he suddenly sees decaying old feet under a plastic sheet hanging in his room. You can see the outline of a person. <laughs> this is walkie-talkie goes off, which causes Eric to jump back into okay, bed sorry under the covers for safety. Go ahead. Sure. Yep. So <laughs> all the noises suddenly stop for a moment before the sheet is ripped off by Eric, but it's only Danny and looking around, seeing if Eric is okay. Eric is freaking out, so Danny grabs onto his foot 
and uh, kind of rubs it in a weird way and comforts him as uh, Sarah also enters the room. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a Spanish thing. (laughs) So Sarah comes in and she's like, I'll take over from here. Yeah, it's it's weird because it does it happens more than once, and it's when it's going to happen again we're going to say it. Um, but maybe, so maybe Tarantino was like you know a foot advisor for this movie. <laughs> maybe because he would he would be really into that, so it would, it would make sense. But anyway, uh, Sarah notices that there's a cut on Danny's hand, and he's like, oh, "How the fuck did that get there?" And he just wraps it up in a bandage. Um, and the next day, when Danny's doing some work around the house. He notices a gash in the wall and sees that there's a bunch of flies, and he's like, this fucking house. Um, but luckily, he's distracted <laughs> by Sarah and Eric coming home, and he finds out that Eric has been effectively expelled from school. And he's like, what the fuck? You just started. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, shit's First crazy. First day of school, kicked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Booyah. laughs> and let me tell you something. No time. It's mm-hmm. like, and, and, and granted, this is not, this is not uh, like the United States. Like, Olsen is rare and extreme, you know, to hear that I was mm-hmm. like, quite surprised that they were like, oh, uh, they've, uh, they were just like, oh, they've asked him to take a couple of days off to, to reset. Uh, but no, uh, he was expelled. Just so, I mean, that's, um, obviously wherever this movie takes place, they are fucking serious about education, man. Like you fuck up on the first day, you're out. <laughs> Like there, there's no, uh, you know, there's no suspension, there's no detention. It's pack your shit and go. We don't want you here anymore. So, yeah, apparently Eric has to go home, and and you know they, Sarah and Danny wonder if they should call Dr. Carroll because maybe she can help and come over. Sarah feels like she can't do all this on her own, and Eric's like, by the way, she's dead, and they're like, no, what the what? Hey, no. Dr. Carroll. Like, you know, but no. So, of course, they deny that. And they're like, well, there's no way he could have known that she's dead. So they call up whoever uh, that knows Dr. Carroll. And Danny's like, oh, shit, she fucking died on her way home from our house. Crashed her car. How did Eric find out about that? And Danny's like, I don't fucking know. Like, somebody probably told him about it at school. Yeah, because some kid at school is going to know about his fucking psychiatrist getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, and, oh, Dr. Carroll? was impaled with, was in a car accident and got <laughs> impaled in, through her face uh, with a tree branch. I heard about that the other day. Are <laughs> <laughs> you going to eat that, uh, you're going to eat those cookies, Eric? And then fucking Eric just fucking punches him right in the face and gets expelled. And that's what happens. So they were filling in the blanks. So Danny later brings Eric Don't some food. Don't you talk to me about my psychiatrist. <laughs> right. She's hot. <laughs> She's no doctor woman. She's actually good on the eyes. But anyway, uh, Danny comes and brings Eric some food. And he asks Eric who he's talking to on the walkie-talkie the night before. Eric says, I was talking to you. And he's like, no fucking way. I wasn't even in the same room at that time. So Eric asks if he's crazy. And again, he gets this awkward ankle rub from his dad. Uh, but Danny's like, no, you're not crazy. And Eric's telling him, I don't like the house. He wants to move, but Danny's like, by the way, uh, we need to flip this house. We put all of our money into it. And remember what happened the last time? He's like, we made it rain, son. He's like, hell yeah. He's like, so we got to flip that fucking house. But, but maybe I fucked up a little bit in all of the money. Like, all of the, all of the money, like, is in this house. Like, you know, wow. You know, where, like, he fucking doubled down like a motherfucker on this house. 
<laughs> yeah, he just, he literally went to the fucking bank and just fucking said, this a check is blank, you fill in whatever amount you want, and we're good. And they're like, really? He's like, see. <laughs> and, like, you know, he's like, mucho dinero. And they're like, okay, so fucking, you know. Uh, so that night, Eric draws a picture that we don't see, and we, but we do see he's being followed by a ghost. Sarah wakes Danny up because the pool gate is open again. Feeling something is wrong, <laughs> Danny grabs a shotgun and asks if someone is out there. Sarah goes to check on Eric, but he's not in his room. Outside, Danny finds Eric's pajama top lying on the stairs. And he's like, oh, fuck, where is fucking my son? Well, he finds him face down in the pool. He is dead. So we're not even really like a half hour into this movie, and fucking Eric's gone. Yeah. That kid is dead. I, I think, I, all right, you know what? You know what? Good for you, movie. Good for you. <laughs> you killed the yeah. kid. Yeah. Like, all right. I, I, yeah, I fucking dug it, man. Like you know, like you said, you know, we're only half an hour in, and boom, you know, they ki- you know, they kill one of the three members of the family, and there's the fucking kid, first one to go. And I was like, oh, right, nice move. A bold, bold, bold choice. <laughs> it was a bold choice, and I remember when I read the description for this movie last week before I even watched it. Like, it was like, oh, like a nine-year-old kid and his parents are haunted by ghosts in a house. And I'm like, oh, that's what it's going to be. But no, half, like half hour into this movie, the kid fucking gets drowned in a fucking pool. And I was like, all right, you know what? Brave move, bold choice, I'm in. So Danny and Sarah, after the funeral, <laughs> return home. And Danny's vendetta against the pool that killed his son now begins. Sarah decides to leave for a few days at her parents while Danny stays behind to finish the house. Sarah's like, hey, man, I don't really want to live here anymore. Uh, our son kind of fucking died here. And he's like, hey, but our money's all tied up into it. And she's like, all right. So she picks up the smallest fucking suitcase I've ever seen. Like, it looks like a child's fucking suitcase and fucking rolls the fuck out. She's like, see ya. You know, she ain't coming back. She fucking put that place in her fucking review real fast. Like, when she's driving away, you know, I see you. Adios. Never coming back. But anyway, uh, that night, Danny watches home movies and voice texts his wife. After turning off the TV, hears a noise, and he goes to investigate. The TV turn back, it turns back on, and then he has to turn it off again. That's when he hears the walkie-talkie going off. And so he decides to say, hola, with no response. But then he decides to leave it alone, and then it lights up after he leaves the room. So the next day, Sarah calls, asking if he's okay. He left her a message with weird voices, and there was, like, screaming and shit. He's like... Hey, I'm fine, but babe, got to call you later. And he fucking hangs up on her because he has to listen to that voice text he sent. And yeah, it's a little weird. So he fucking does the smart thing and he goes on to his computer and he's like, hey, what's up? I got to listen to my fucking son screaming for help. That's weird. You know what I need to do? I need to go see Galman Domingo at the library. Don Biblioteca. It's a key. You know, see, it's like, you know, it's right there. And that's where Garmin Domingo is signing copies of his book. And I love the fact that he's like, oh, okay, you know, I'll sign your book, sign your book. And then fucking Danny comes up to him looking like he hasn't slept in a month. He's like, hey, uh, I need you to listen to something, like, fucking right now, dude. And he's like, you can, you can just email it to me. Like, it's not that now. And he's like, okay, like, why? And he's like, because my son's fucking dead. And he's like, wow, dude, sorry that your son's dead, but, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you just need to move. He's like, stop it. Listen to the fucking EVP. And we don't even get a chance to fucking hear it from his perspective because immediately we cut the fucking Garmin and his daughter driving there. He's like, it's real. <laughs> he's just he's so quick to be like, you know, 
it's fucking super real. And Ruth's like, well, how do you know? Like, you know, like, it could be fake. And he's like, no, if you heard what I heard, you would know it's real. Um, and then they pass by a civil guard sign, and Garmin's like, what? Like, we're stepping into some <laughs> shit? And I'm like, did they live on a fucking military fucking base? I was like, no, it's a fucking house in the middle of the woods. Like, that doesn't even come up later in the movie. They don't even bring it back up. They're just like, oh, the civil guard sign. Everybody sees it. Nobody does anything about it. <laughs> it's like, not like it's a no trespassing sign. But, um, so they arrive at the house, and Danny's showing him around. So Ruth sets up in one of the rooms. She's like, hey, you know, do you have, like, a special place, like a basement? He's like, there is no basement. And she's like, yeah, but have you checked? No. Okay, well, I'm just going to get it set up in Alamo. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Johnny, bye-bye. <laughs> <I'm high. laughs> There's no basement in the Alamo. You know, but there is one, and we'll find out where it is. Um, but so Ruth sets up an infrared camera in Eric's room, which captures a ghost that she doesn't see, but we as the audience do. Uh, Danny enters the room and asks her about the equipment she's setting up, but that's when Garmin enters. He's like, all right, let's start. For half a second, I thought that Danny and Ruth were going to have a moment where they bang at some point in this movie because, like, they're looking really fucking intensely at each other, and I was like, oh, shit. All right, they're going to fucking end up recording themselves banging. Doesn't happen that way. Though. Uh, not, Just, it, no, no, she's looking at him like she doesn't want to fucking be there. He's the reason she doesn't want to fucking be there. She, uh, he, 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 she doesn't want her dad going out on these jobs. She, she, she just wants him to retire, and she does not want to deal with assholes like him. So that is not a look of lust. That is a look of, you know, I want to beat the living fuck out of you. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes that can make for really hot sex, dude. Like, if you're fucking really angry at somebody and they're fucking really angry at you, I mean, that leads to some fucking intense fucking mattress spinging. Trust me on that one. And they're I've been Spanish. there many times. I've <laughs> well, I mean, it's even better in Spanish, but, like, I, I've dated girls that were Italian and really fucking fiery like that, and I've had fucking coffee mugs tossed in my head that led to some really good sex. So don't knock it until you try it, is what I'm saying. It's what I'm saying, you know, because you could always put a Band-Aid on it. But, man... You just got to have that. Where they're fucking screaming at you in fucking Italian. You have no idea what the fuck they're saying, but you're just hot. Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 it's fun is what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, um, Garmin goes into the other room with a mic to record sound, and that's when Ruth notices someone she thinks is Danny on the infrared. She tells Garmin to tell him to leave, but he's like, no one's in here. Danny's outside fucking being sad about his kid being dead. So Garvin walks around with the sound equipment, and they hear childlike singing coming from upstairs. Garvin's like, I'm old. I've lived a long life. I'm going to go upstairs. And Ruth's like, okay, but be careful. So, you know, because at any point this guy's life could end because, you know, he's, he's been around for a while. He's, he's an old man. They haven't said that yet, but he's, he's significantly old. Um, but anyway, well uh, so, in, so in Eric's bedroom, Garmin hears voices, and Ruth can be heard telling her dad to leave the room because it's right in front of him. But instead of leaving, Garmin stays and is attacked by the ghost but not harmed. Later, they review the infrared footage, and Garmin finds it incredible, a paranormal phenomenon. Ruth's like, yeah, no, this is stupid. But Garmin's like, no, we got to stay one more day. And I'm like, oh, well, they're probably just going to leave, right? They'll leave and come back. No, they fucking sleep like they fucking are renting out an Airbnb. Like, they are fucking comfortable. <laughs> they got enough fucking room. Beds. <laughs> they got so much fucking room. And, of course, everything is, is going to work out. So that night, Ruth is asleep at the computer monitors, and Garmin is woken from his sleep by a ghost who he seemingly recognizes. 
He follows as the ghost beckons to him, and he heads downstairs. And we cut to the kitchen where he sees his wife, Sophia, cutting up some vegetables, which shocks him because, guess what, she's dead. Um, he thinks oh, he's shit. dreaming, but she kisses him and says he's not dreaming at all. Tells him to sit down for his favorite meal. It's like, dude, he's getting kisses, he's getting wine, he's getting food. He's living his best life in this fucking house. Why he hasn't come there years ago, who knows. But you know what, he, he's having a great time. <laughs> So, you know, Sophia's kind of talking to him very sweetly, giving him some wine. And then she's like, hey, you know, we could be together forever. And he's like, really? How? And she shows him a knife and cuts his wrist. And she's like, that's how, silly. And he's like, oh, shit, it's a cross. That's a serious one. It's not up and down like I want attention. You know, but no, it's, it's, the, it's the death one. So he's kind of shocked. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And that's all of a sudden when he kicks back to reality and Ruth is running out to get Danny as we see Sarah get woken up in the middle of the night as well from an unknown caller, which happens to be Eric calling from the other side. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of had to have a laugh at this segment because she picks up that phone and she's like, well, it can't be my son, Eric. He's dead. But then he's like, but mom, you have to help. Dad brought a guy over and he wants to hurt me. I'm hiding under my bed. Come help me. And she's like, I'll be right there. I'm like, <laughs> what? He's dead, yeah, it's ma'am. Like- you buried him. You, you saw had him a funeral. People in the throes of grief are, are not necessarily thinking rationally. That's possibly true. We don't get enough of a time frame as to how far this has been, though. That's the other thing that I kind of had a problem with. Is this like a week later he gets Garmin to come to the house? Is it a day later? Is it two days later? You don't really know. I mean, I don't know. If, like, I got a phone call at 12 a.m. and it was my grandfather going, hey, Andy, how's the car? I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, I'd be fucking terrified. I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, it's fine. You want to go for a ride someday? No. I'd be fucking shitting my pants. <laughs> like, I would not be able to sleep with somebody. But, yeah, you know, she, she hops in the car, you know, without any hesitation and drives all the way across Spain to go see her kid that she buried. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a real it's fucking, fucking pet cemetery, cemetery situation going here. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for someone to bring that up. Just waiting for it to happen. But anyway, um, the next day, Garmin is sleeping in bed as a ghost reaches out for him. Ruth is having a cigarette outside as we see a tree where cats just get hung for fun. Wait, that's not right. It's not the fucking cat hanging tree, is it? Man, there's so many fucking dead cats in this fucking tree. Oh, and yeah. Danny just has to bury them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at all the fucking piñatas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, candy! Whack, whack, whack! She's like, no, that's blood and guts. That's not candy. You know, but anyway. Um, and just as they're bur- bur- burying him, the wife pulls up and she's like, is it somebody's birthday? <laughs> all the fucking piñatas. Feliz cumpleaños? So, um... You know, and of course, like I said, Danny <laughs> fucking buries them all in a mass fucking grave. Like, he has no problem with it at all. It's just like, this is what you do. And Garmin tells him that they Not can't trust or hear. But it's just, it's terrible. I mean, I don't know. Like, if it was, I guess I wouldn't have a problem with the fucking mass grave. I'd just be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'd just be like, that takes all day. Just leave them hang up there. Birds will come. There'll be food for them. And, you know, I don't know. It, just, it seems like that's an all-day thing. He's got a lot of work ahead. But then, 
Yeah, but they, yeah. they were totally fucked up and didn't do the Sam Raimi zoom shots and all that kind of stuff. And then him slamming up a chest, wooden cross in there, his lightning strikes in the background. <laughs> they totally forgot all of yeah. that. <laughs> no, at no point did he go tool shed and then fucking go for a tool shed. Like, you know, he just he grabbed the shovel in his own. So anyway, Garmin <laughs> is telling Danny that they can't trust anything that they see or, see or hear. Um, that ghosts can deceive you and they can lie to you and try to trick you. And that's when Sarah arrives and demands to know who the fuck this old guy is and why the fuck he's burying a bunch of cats in the backyard. He's like, all right, I only have time for, like, one question. And she's like, why is our dead son calling? And he's like, I don't know. Why is our dead son calling? She's like, I don't fucking know either. And she just goes back in. (laughs) So... Meanwhile, Ruth is on a little vacation downtown, you know, kind of twirling around, tossing her hat up and in the air, having a great old time away from the fucking evil haunted house when an old woman appears in a doorway, and she's like, hey, why don't you go ahead and come on inside, and I'll tell you about the fucking house with all the voices in it. And she's like, all right, <laughs> seems reliable. I trust it. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't know. Yeah, it's a reliable, frame of reference. Reliable but, source. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a stranger in a strange town, and some weirdo says, come on in, let me tell you about this scary house. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, I mean, like she if you're in that situation, yeah. in that situation that's probably yeah. the person that's going to know something about the house, not the people that just bought it, and certainly not the paranormal investigators that have just showed up. Yes, but they also just had the conversation about don't trust anything you see, anything you hear. Things are fucking with us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the thing. Like, it's all about presentation. You know, like if I'm if I'm walking down the street and I see an old woman sitting outside, maybe like having a cup of coffee, and she's like, "Oh, hi!" Like I I saw you guys, and I guess your dad like going to the Belasco house, like. Would you mind sitting down with me? I think there's things that you need to know. Instead, she's like, <laughs> hello there. Why don't you come inside and tell you all about the fucking evil house? Like, it's all about presentation. Hey, what, a pi- what a piece of candy, little girl. When I tell right? you about like, the evil house. <laughs> you're looking at her through a crack in a door, and there's fucking no lighting whatsoever in that fucking house. Like, I'm, so, I'm just going to keep on walking and be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm not fucking in that house. Like, no. <laughs> Instead, she's like, all right. So she fucking goes in and, you know, here's her information she needs to hear. So we cut back to Sarah going into Eric's bedroom, looking around for her son under the bed. And she's like, oh, shit, he's not here. Maybe he's buried somewhere, like in a cemetery. I don't know. But as she turns to leave the room, she hears his toy turning on and then spots him sitting on the floor. And she's like, oh, hey, there he is. So she attempts to reach at him, but Eric quickly scrambles under the fucking bed like a goddamn demon. And she's this is fine. And this is what kids do. So he says, hide and go seek, right? So Sarah goes to look under the bed and sees a pair of decaying legs. She looks up from the bed at the plastic sheet in the room and then back down to the feet as it gets up into the bed. And that's when Eric quickly and this goes on, And this, and this goes on yeah, for I'm like five fucking minutes. Uh, it fucking goes on. I'm, you know, again, uh, we're talking about jump scares. I guarantee you some people were scared by this. I was like, fucking end it already we get it like you know get to the jump scare so after she is grabbed by the the spirits you know these rotting spirits that we see uh garmin shows danny a drawing on his phone of cats hanging from a tree 
and it's supposed to be a threat that was used in the Middle Ages to warn outsiders that were in witches' territory. Apparently, there was something called a Spanish Inquisition that nobody expected <gasps> that happened right on that spot ah! where the house existed over 300 years ago. Uh, as they, they start to talk about this more and more, all of a sudden, Sarah decides to swing on by and say hi. And by that, I mean her fucking corpse is dead and hanging from a noose. Just decided to pop in real quick, blood running down her feet, running all over the carpet, staining it. Now he's going to have to replace that, too. Um, yeah, Sarah is very much dead. So the police have to come and take that body away. I mean, that's kind of something that you don't really see in the movie, but that's going to be kind of hard to explain. The cops are coming back to your house again. All right, well, first your son died in the pool, and now your wife's hanging herself. Like, uh, do you know why? <laughs> it's the craziest thing, officer. I don't know. One second, she's in the bedroom talking to my dead son, and the next thing, she's swinging by a noose. I don't have an explanation for officers. <laughs> <laughs> when that body just came crashing through, like, that actually got me. I was like, all right, nice job. <laughs> yeah, and like the dean just said, it was the fucking Spanish Inquisition. What, what can you do? <laughs> I mean, at some point, it's like, are you a family annihilator, sir? He's like, I don't even know what that is. Okay, Chris Watts. We're watching you. Because you're the only one left. So that's usually what annihilators yeah, do. But, but, but this time he has witnesses. It's like, oh, so now you got more people involved with killing your family members. Is that what's going on? Yeah, you have so and many the, fucking witnesses and accomplices now. <laughs> so um, Garmin thinks that he knows where the witches' bodies are buried and why they're being haunted. Ruth's like, yeah, but I fucking want to go. Like, we, there's nothing more we can do here. This shit's fucking crazy. There's fucking people dead. And he's like, no, we got to stay. Stop running. So they decide, okay, fine, we're going to stay. Um, Eric's bedroom, you see Danny sitting around lamenting his wife and son are dead. And he sees them behind a plastic sheet, and he's like, oh, shit, they're not there because they're dead. And that's when he's attacked by a ghost, and we see Ruth packing up her equipment, looking at a screen of the computer and sees Sarah hanging herself. Garmin accidentally hits the infrared, which captures a ghost flashed in front of the camera, and then they hear a gunshot, and Danny's like, hey, there's my shotgun. <laughs> They're like, okay, fucking really? You need to fucking chill out, man. We know you're feeling broken that your family's all dead, but think about this guy. No more kid, no more wife. You're free to do whatever you want. You could do fucking Ruth of all you need. Like, you know, have a half hour in your fucking kid's bedroom. She doesn't care at this point. You know, everything's off women. So go ahead. He decides not to do that. Um, Garmin believes the people that were killed in the grounds are located right beneath their feet. And Danny's like, oh, hell yeah. I know exactly how we can get in. I'll fucking chop down that fucking weird vagina hole that's in my house. That's exactly where all the fucking flies are coming from. So they find a set of wooden stairs that lead downwards. They all go down. They find a bunch of old stocks and torture devices. And that's when Garmin soon finds a, a decaying body inside of a cage with punishment done to its mouth. And then we see a flashback to that very witch being grabbed and locked up in that cage. Garmin says that as per tradition, they have to burn her. So Danny runs out to find a gas can as Garmin runs down back in through where he came from. He sees a woman grabbed by ghosts and dragged away as she screams. And Garmin sees a witch being tortured to death by the Spanish Inquisition, which wasn't very cool. All they were trying to do was be fucking witch people. And you had to fucking torture them. Not very cool. So Garmin then sees the ghost witch before it disappears, but then shows back up to attack him as Ruth appears and calls for Garmin. Danny, also missing at this point, 
uh, Ruth finds her mom, and her mom's like, oh, hi. Like, first of all, how are you? Okay, all right, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm still dead, but it's good to see you. And Ruth's like, oh, I'm fucking dare you. And she's like, all right, can I just get a hug? And she's like, fuck you. You're a ghost. And that's when the mom just disappears and Ruth is attacked by ghost witches. So Danny, meanwhile, is getting ready to burn that fucking witch, but he's also attacked by ghost witches. And Sarah and Eric show up in the garage and they're like, hey, so here's the deal. Uh, If you kill that witch in the fucking basement that you didn't know we had, uh, we're going to go away and disappear. And you definitely don't want that, do you? And he's like, un momento, por favor. I need to think about this for a second. Okay, they're both dead. I'm alive. What could I do about this? I'm really not too sure. Um, he eventually gives him a very soft hug as we cut back to Garmin, just fucking going to town, splashing this fucking cage full of gasoline. No fucking problem there. Garmin's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. We got to kill the fucking witch. So as he's doing that, suddenly Ruth appears from behind him but then disappears. And as he turns around... Ruth appears again with red eyes and stabs him right in the gut. She's possessed. So now we get a fun possession movie, too. It's like we got ghosts. We got possessions. It's better than The Exorcist Believer because I'm actually following what's happening that's going on in this movie. Um, So we also see that Danny is possessed because he has red eyes, too, as he pours gasoline on himself. So Garmin loved it. (laughs) <laughs> I just love when Garmin picks up the fucking shotgun and just bam, fucking hits Ruth right in the face with the butt of it and then shoots the witch body in the cage which causes it to fucking burst into flames. And I was like, dude, Garmin's a fucking badass. Like, stabbed in the fucking gut, just hit his daughter in the face with a shotgun and then blew a fucking body apart. Like, man, like this is the next Indiana Jones that we didn't know we needed. It's fucking so cool. Like, <laughs> Um, so with the witch body being burned, Ruth and Danny are no longer possessed. We see flies coming out of their ears, which, as we found out earlier, is the way to be possessed. A fly will enter your ear. And we'll find more about that in the postscript with Danny. Um, so Ruth brings <laughs> Garmin back upstairs to treat his wound. As we cut to the next day, Garmin wakes up, and I love the fact that he's still in the bloody fucking shirt and just covered in fucking blood. <laughs> Didn't bother to change his shirt or the dressing. Just no, it's fine. Like he just nah, he's just sleeping in like, the fucking fuck chair. He needed his rest. Don't even put him in a fucking bed. Put him in a fucking uncomfortable ass chair and just have him pass out from the pain. You know, maybe that's what he gets for being an absentee father, and that's what Ruth's like fucking punishment is for him. Who knows? We don't know how good of a dad he was to her. You know, but. Uh, Garmin tells Ruth that she can now live her life, um, but he does have a case of a girl with an unknown illness may need an exorcism. Uh. And Ruth's like, yeah, you know what? I need a week-long vacation, so I'll see you on the other side. He's like, ha-ha! So maybe that's going to be the exorcist deceiver. Garmin Domingo's going to show up in the next one. He's going to be, ha-ha! I fucking destroyed a fucking witch ghost and voices. I can do whatever I want here. He's like, thank God. I would love to see this character show up in the second Exorcist movie. Like, he's believable. Like, he knows what he's doing. Like, you know, but no. So, uh, meanwhile, but does he, returns to does he know what he's doing? Because we're going to find yes. out. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. That's the point that the monkey has right As there. far as I'm concerned, he does. As far as I'm concerned, he's fucking innocent, and I love him. I want to give him a hug, and I want to know what Christmases are like at his house, because I guarantee he gives good presents. But anyway, um, Danny returns to Eric's bedroom. 
and he decides to tear down all the drawings that Eric had made while he was still alive that were predictions of death. He then goes through the drawings and sees everything that has happened so far. He then sees one more drawing as he hears Eric calling him from help on the walkie-talkie. We then flash back to the night when Danny was asleep in bed next to Sarah, and a ghost witch appears and puts a fly into his ear, which causes him to become possessed. Danny is soon walking outside, flashing back to where Eric died. Oh, by the way, he's the reason why his son's dead, because he was possessed and drowned his only son. And man, that actually was uncomfortable to watch, that scene. Like, honestly, that was yeah. the only time in this movie where I was like, oh, okay, can we move on, please? Because this fucking kid's, like, screaming, please don't, please stop it. I'm like, oh, please yeah. move on, move on. For once, the kid was actually acting in this movie. It was awesome. Right? <laughs> and it was just, it worked. Like, I felt fucking, I'm like, I know it's acting, but he's finally doing great. I'm fucking feeling terrified for this kid, but... um so he sees through these drawings exactly what happened, and then he realizes that he knows what he has to do because of what happened. Um, they also flash back to a scene that w- we didn't talk about where Sarah finds a blood drop on uh, Danny's pillow, and that's because that's where the, the fly went into his ear, and he causes the blood to trickle out of your ear. Um, so that's what that was there. So Chekhov's gone again you know, for that. Um, so Ruth goes into Eric's bedroom and finds uh, the drawings, Back at the pool, Danny has that shotgun, and he real quick gives himself a Kurt Cobain special and blows his brains out. And then we see the, uh, the picture of Danny killing Eric floating in the water, and there's also a drawing of Danny blowing his brains out doing that exact same action that Ruth finds. Ruth runs outside and finds Daniel dead as we get an overhead shot of the pool, much like the beginning of the movie, as we cut to credits. So okay, nope, hold on. I think the main goal Look, is hold on. Wait. Yep. Okay, because no, because in the background, while he's putting the shotgun to his head, the witch is back there. She's in the background. The witch never went yeah. away. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, so don't put the, so <clears throat> don't say like he did a great job. <clears throat> the, the witch is still there. The force is still there. So how do you know, you know that was the only one? Like, uh huh. Did you think of that? There could be more than one witch, one, more than one bruja. One was yep, the word no, witch. <laughs> okay. Yes, there could be okay, more than one he, witch. Okay, but either that way, he didn't cleanse the land like he thought he did. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. I agree with you there, but I honestly took that witch in the background to be another witch. Because he, he said that over 300 years ago, this is the Spanish Inquisition, fucking witches you know, plural died and were buried there. So I was like, well, they found the one in the cage. That's one of how many uh, that they didn't discover. So that's the way I took it as. I don't think it was the same witch that they burned. It's just a different one, you know, and I was like, that, you know, it could be that. So I still think Domingo's fucking cool, man. <laughs> you know, he did his job. Like, that's his fucking deniability right there. Like, how was I supposed to know there's more than one? Like, I found one in the cage. What else do you want me to do? Fucking dig further on the ground? Yeah. I don't have time for that. <clears throat> yeah. And then, I mean, and then, yeah. Su- and then super quick, there was, there was a post-credit scene. Yeah, I heard that there was. I didn't, I didn't go back to watch it, um, but I heard there was. It was like okay. uh, them watching it, the tape uh, of an exorcism. It, yeah, it was just them watching the tape of the call that he got about possibly the next job, and it was just exorcism. 
little girl exorcism looking stuff, you know, just classic exorcism, you know, possessed girl stuff. Yeah. That's all. See, again, they're and setting then up the secret cut, of the exorcism you know. believer. Yep, see, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 2020, they were already setting it up because they knew this one wasn't going to be that good. But no. Um, but no, like I said, you know, Dean and, and Monkey, like this movie wasn't bad. Like I would recommend this to somebody that wants to, to see a different kind of uh, ghost movie that's more Spanish-oriented. Um, and obviously The Orphanage is one that I recommend people watch all the time um, because I think it's a fantastic one. The Devil's Backbone, uh, Guillermo del Toro, I recommend that one too. Like the Spanish do have good uh, ghost movies, um, you know, uh, except for Terrified or uh, Adorados, that Adorados movie that we watched. I'm still not a fan of that, that one. That was my pick. It, it, it was good. It was good. I, I think this one's better than Adorados. <laughs> I think Don't Listen's better than Adorados uh, or Terrified, whatever you want to call it. I think it's better. Um, you know, even with the acting not being so great, I just I was kind of more engaged with the story than it was with uh, Terrified or, you know, Adorados. Was, but uh, so either way, it was it was a good one to talk about. Um, yeah, so next you, week, it is really, my pick. If you, what I was going to say, I was going to say, if you, if you, yeah. one of the things interesting, if you, if you go back, if you really were to pay attention uh, with, the, with the title of it, you know, at least the, mm-hmm. like the don't, uh, don't listen title of it, if you were to really go back and watch like, like pretty much every interaction with every character, uh, you know, nobody is really listening to each other. And if they did, yeah. if they were really listening to each other, like none of, none of this bad shit probably would have happened. Exactly. You're right. And, and they also say, don't listen to the ghosts. You know, they're, they're liars and they're, they'll trick you. So don't listen to the ghosts either. So it's, it's a great title. Like I said, it, it is really interesting. Like I did enjoy this movie. I wasn't miserable. Um, like I said, I just wish the acting had been a little bit better. But, you know, otherwise the story was good. You know, the, 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 some of the effects are really good. But anyway, uh, so next week, hopefully the ghoul will be back with us to talk about my film pick of the week. Because um, I want to do something kind of comedic. I also want to kind of do something that's more Halloween-oriented, uh, the holiday that is. Uh, so I am going please, to please don't talk say, to you guys. Please don't say Hubie Halloween. No, no, no. I would not do that to you guys. Yeah. I'm not that, I'm not that mean. Uh, no, but I want to talk about a movie from 2007 called Murder Party, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Uh, it is on Tubi. It's on all the free sites. All you have to do is type in Murder Party I see, 2007. I think, I, I think I've seen that. Uh, yeah, it's about a, a guy that gets invited to a murder party, okay. and it's like an art installation. So that's all. I mean, that's not a spoiler. That's just literally the plot, is that a guy gets invited to a quote-unquote murder party that's supposed to be like an art installation, and uh, mayhem ensues. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's available on all the free sites, so you guys could have at it. But uh, I just kind of want to do something that's actually set on Halloween and something that's a little funny, because usually I try to take the, the horror and, and serious stuff, but I kind of had fun with Deadstream a couple weeks ago, so I kind of want to keep that going with, um, you know, a uh, murder party. So that'll be what we talk about uh, next week. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for hosting tonight, Dean. Uh, thank you so much for the film pick. So why don't you go ahead and do your sign-off, oh, Monkey? My pleasure. Oh, go ahead, Monkey. Go ahead, Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting us come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show where we talked about Don't Listen from 2020. Next week, as I had said, we're going back to 2007 to talk about Murder Party. What happens at a murder party? Well, you're just going to have to listen to find out. 
until next time, oh, yeah. hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous, watch horror movies, keep America strong, and we'll see you back here next week.